Vaccine skepticism is at an all-time high. How will some of the current human skeptics about vaccines affect veterinary vaccines moving forward? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And an old friend of this show is vaccine hesitancy, skepticism, and arguments about immunizing pets. Now, we covered this before the whole COVID pandemic and before the uproar over vaccine mandates in the human realm. And today we want to revisit that topic with how it is affecting us on the front lines in veterinary medicine. But before we get into that frontline battle, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, we in the past have really reviewed sometimes when those clients come in and they just are like, well, I don't want to get any of these vaccines. They cause cancer. They cause this. They cause that. Right. And we've never really, you know, thought about it in terms of, of a bigger picture, like outside vet medicine. I mean, sure, there, there are parents that are concerned about vaccines causing a wide variety of elements. But, you know, nonetheless, it wasn't a wide scale sort of fear, scare right out there. But now, Becky, I mean, it's you can't turn on the news without hearing something about COVID vaccines and controversy surrounding it. And Becky, you're hearing from your colleagues across the country that this is now starting to trickle down to the vet clinics. Sure. And I mean, I think that we've always had folks who were concerned with over-vaccination. Over-vaccination has been a conversation for years that we've really tried to help our clients understand and navigate. And I think a lot of us even supported. You know, we know that the, the vaccine recommendations in the last 10 years have gone from annual to every three years. So even the veterinary space has been in support of over vaccination. However, <laughs> we've now taken a shift from the concern for, yes, I agree these vaccines are necessary, and yes, I want my pet to have them, but I just want to make sure that they're getting them at an appropriate interval to an entire population of people who are super triggered by the word vaccine alone. <laughs> right. And you know, viewfinders, I, I'm sure you're having the same conversations that Becky and I are having. And so a colleague of mine, we were talking a few weeks ago and they basically had a client that came in and again, stop me if you've heard this a thousand times already. A client comes in, it's their, the dog is there for its annual vaccines and exam and all of that stuff. And as soon as the veterinary technician says, you know, okay, today he'll be receiving blah, 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 blah vaccine. The guy apparently pipes up and says, we ain't falling for that trick. I know. <laughs> and Becky, you know, what trick? Or were they trying to play? I'm not sure exactly. But, I, you know, again, my friend who's a veterinarian, she says, look, I believe this was a, a an anti-vaxxer, right? An anti-COVID vaccine mandate guy or person. And, uh, you know, so Becky, are you, you're probably hearing that even more than me. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, again, I think people are more triggered by it and it's not even just the like, is it necessary? But there's this this mentality now of like, I will make the decision and you cannot tell me that this is required and necessary. Right. And so the fear is 
rabies, obviously, first of all. I think about like diseases that we have uh, by no means eradicated here, but have managed to control in our pet populations. I mean, I already know that in the last year or two, we've seen so much more distemper coming back in puppies and seeing more pets affected by these conditions that were kind of seemed somewhat low-key in the years prior is already piping up ears across our industry thinking, like, why are we seeing these? And is it because of concerns for over-vaccination and then now we're under-vaccinating because it's it, the pendulum is swung? But now it's like we're not even going to initiate these series. We're not even going to look at, you know, titers. It's I'm pissed you want me to have this. I think it's spilling over because we are such – I mean, this is – emotional boil over is an understatement at this point um, <laughs> when it comes to vaccines. And we're not here, you know, one way or – you know, like we're, th- this isn't political. This is a major concern for diseases in our patients. Yeah. And, you know, Becky, I, I can't help but wonder as, as you're saying that, you know, for years – I, in the in the in the exam room, when I would have a person who was hesitating about whatever, especially rabies vaccine, you know, I would just casually throw out, "Well, you know, there's a federal mandate that requires us to do this." Oh God, help you! Viewfinders, can we say that anymore? No, I mean, no. I mean, it's like a federal mandate. That's exactly the thing that's wrong with this country. I'm gonna tell you. That's I mean, that right. Thing is gonna blow up. Oh man, how are we gonna deal with this? Well, and 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 I think that's a lot of it, right? Is we're going to have to get, hey, get in front of it might be one thing we could consider. It. And I know that's our favorite thing to recommend to our profession. But um, to anticipate this concern and to educate the best that you can. I also think there's maybe some thought to changing our language. Like I might hesitate to use the word vaccine. I might be leaning toward inoculation or, um, you know, preventative or injectable or anything <laughs> other than the word vaccine at this point. Maybe we should just say we're giving them ivermectin or hydroxyquinolone. Careful, you get Whoops, yourself robbed. Sorry. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But, you know, viewfinders, I think Becky's on to something. I think that the language is going to have to possibly shift a little bit because you're right. I mean, if you say vaccine these days, I guarantee you the majority of Americans instantly pivot towards COVID vaccine, right? Like it's like, and then that is attached to a lot of controversy. So, you know, it's like, if you say the word vaccine, you're again, you know, in neural networking terms, you know, you are absolutely connecting these thoughts and suddenly it goes from vaccine to federal mandate to the government and my business. And it's like, wait a second, no, your dog just needs a distemper vaccine. (laughs) Well, and I also have to say, you know, I know that People in our profession fall on both sides of this, right? So you and I, obviously, we've been open and honest. We're both vaccinated. We're in support. However, we I, I'm not going to argue that there are people in our profession who don't feel that way and who don't feel like these vaccines should be mandated. And I wonder how that's going to affect their position in the clinic. I wonder if that's going to affect their conversation in the clinic. And and we've talked in the past too, of course, how this is going to affect interpersonal relationships within the clinic when it came to personal vaccines. But is this now going to kind of shift the clinic message about how we handle preventative conversations all the time now? Yeah. And it's a really fair point. Uh, so at the very beginning, well, not the beginning, but like, let's say, you know, when the vaccine started rolling out, I was doing a webinar and, you know, somehow like just casually, we were at the end of it, we had some Q&A and people were just kind of talking about, you know, oh, I can't wait to get my staff vaccinated so we can get back, you know, out of the curbside. This was during that period. And this one vet, of course, was anti-vaccine at the time. 
and I, I innocently said, well, so are you also, you know, not going to be vaccinating dogs and cats for the core vaccines anymore? Right. And, and, and because that's kind of a legitimate question. It's like, I, I always have a hard time with like, well, I'm not going to take the COVID vaccine for myself, but I'm dang sure going to keep vaccinating, you know, all these pets. And, and I get it. And maybe it's a science question or whatever, but you know, I do think you're right, Becky. I think that this is going to cause additional conflict probably within an individual clinic because people are going to be divided on the issue in a clinic, you know, certainly amongst professionals. Um, I, I don't know, Becky. I, I will tell you this. My biggest fear, viewfinders, is we're about to enter into a midterm election cycle. So on the other side of 2022, I think that this issue is going to come right back roaring at us, even if the pandemic is waning. Becky, I think that, that every politician on both sides is going to say, this is good. See, we did some good or this was bad. So you took away my liberty, right? I mean, I think it's going to be a hot topic uh, for some time. Well, exactly. And that's what I mean is like, as the increase in the association between liberty and freedoms and rights and public health are are falling together in this mixing pot, it's going to spill over into everything that we do. The more, quote unquote, required we are to do things, the more people are going to push back. I mean, I just feel like we have this huge society of like 17 year olds whose like mom is like trying to tell them what to do and they're just like pushing back because they can. And and I don't like want to criticize, you know, I, I, I don't understand it, but I also understand that that is people feel as passionate as I do about my standpoint. Um, so it is spilling over, but it's similar to when I think about like vegans who want their pet to be vegan and, and we get this kind of like flustered response of like, that's just not how it works. And we, we don't really know how to work against or even with that to, um, help our clients. Like, like we know your dog can't eat a vegan diet right now. Like that's, that's just, we don't have the resources and I, not to, you know, I know that, that you're passionate and there's the fungal diets. And <laughs> I know that there are a couple very great brands out there that limited uh, yeah, availability, yeah. but it's like this really frustrating thing where you're like, your personal beliefs are now being imposed on your pet and I in the veterinary space have to work with that and have to try to work with your personal beliefs and values. And 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 I don't know that's a space we're trained on. And this one is not just personal beliefs and values, but this is people are like killing people over this. People are assaulting people over this. Um, I was at Wild West Vet and had a wonderful time. Shout out to US Vetchos. But um, saw my first person lose their mind in the casino because security was telling them to put their mask on. And it's the first I've experienced and seen it. Someone being really, truly emotionally out of control over this mask situation. And so um, I'm just kind of like, oh, man, how how are we going to be prepared to deal with this? And is this, is this going to affect our staff? You know, we already hear a lot yeah. of violence and death threats and things like that. And I just become really concerned for our population um, as this continues and as the political rhetoric continues, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm most worried about is just this amping up as yeah. we move into an election cycle because, yeah, this is going to be an inflection point for our country. I mean, it's going to be like, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID, and, and yeah, it's, it's going to be an issue. So, you know, I think, Becky, if we, if we draw back on our experiences of just dealing with vaccine skeptics in the past, pre-COVID, before 
before all this inflammation really, you know, got launched into the world. Um, you know, we really tried to pivot it towards, I, I always try to do two things. Number one, hey, if you're worried about it, let's reduce it to the bare minimum. So this is, you know, going back 20 years ago when we were doing three-year vaccines way before it was a thing, right? Right. The second thing is saying, look, if you're really concerned, we can do a series of, of vaccine titers, right? And so they have their limitations, but, you know, this might give you some reassurance. And certainly from us, you know, our standpoint, we can say this dog is protected or perhaps needs a booster. The exception is rabies. And, you know, we still can't really solve that one because there's a federal vaccine mandate still in place, <laughs> at least for now. And so, you know, I, I think you're going to have to just go back to the science. And Becky, that's really where the danger lies, right? Because, you know, it's like, well, whose study is that? And whatever. How'd you guys come up with three years? And why is it not five years or for a lifetime? And all those are valid points, right? And they're they're legitimate arguments. And we don't have answers for them. You know, it's because the studies haven't been done, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I just don't know how it's going to play out with the, the public. But I think you're going to have to go ahead right now, as Becky said, and start preparing those scripts and say, you know, look, here's what you can do. You know, we've certainly, we minimize the number of vaccines that we give your pet, right? So now it's just a... a a handful of core vaccines. And if you're still concerned, we do have vaccine titers. They have some limitations in interpretation, but we can offer you that as well. That That's what I got. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it is a good idea. I, I think we are going to have to start thinking about it now. I think we can kind of try to manage the dialogue in our clinic right now. Um, but I think you're right. There's going to become a lot of questions. And I think more than ever, we're going to have to go back and understand our vaccines. We're going to have to have, you know, but uh, science doesn't always win and we know that, but I think we're right. going to just have to be really ready to be emotionally prepared for these conversations, I think. Um, and to be prepared with our teams to have these conversations, you know, there's more and more question about um, what, what are is in vaccines and how we know they work or don't. And so I just think a lot of the science of vaccinations in general is going to be at the forefront of our conversations. And, you know, just a little sidebar, I, I also kind of wonder what's going to happen with the microchip population. Because, again, there's just very key words in our society yeah. right now that spill over into the veterinary space in a very different way than they do in the public space. But we're going to have to be more and more ready for these conversations. And, and you know, one thing too, if you find, I don't know if you found this as alarming as me, but you know, I guess I always gave the general public, our pet, pet owning public even, um, a really fairly high bar. Like I felt like these were people that were invested in their pets and they did a little bit of research and they understood. And if you've watched the vaccine <laughs> debates go on, you realize, holy cannoli, yeah. <laughs> maybe not so much. And then you're trying to go and explain cell mediated versus humor. <laughs> you know, immunity. And it's like, wait a second, what? <laughs> I mean, so the, the the science of it is really hard. The other thing is what po people then instantly pivot to is fear. So fear mongering. So it's like, well, if your dog doesn't get it, it's going to die of this horrible disease, you know, and all this stuff. And that doesn't move the needle either. I mean, to people that are entrenched in this way of thinking. So we've got to, we've got to offer them options, alternative, give them choices, let them know that there are certain things that they can and cannot do. 
And, you know, Becky, I remember back, you know, 20 years ago, we'd have these people that would come in. And at the time I had a, a kennel facility that we also ran and, uh, you know, they would refuse vaccines, right. Or didn't want to have a booster vaccine or whatever. Right. And we would just say, well, we can't accept you. And I think that those are going to be some of the consequences that sort of roll forward. You know, it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to go to a restaurant in Europe right now, unless you have like a proof of vaccine or whatever. And I think that that's going to continue to, to move forward. And yes, Becky, I think that it's just no different than 20 years ago when we would refuse to per see that person or allow their, their dog to stay with us. Um, yeah, they pitch a fit. Yeah, I just think the difference is 20 years ago, they pitched a fit. They told their three closest friends and then right. they moved on with their life. Now it's like we're blowing you up on social media. It's becoming super yep. political. We're threatening your team's life. And and it's it's like this insanely heightened emotional state. And so I think we're caught off guard with the intensity of this. And I think that's what we really need to be thinking about is do we have a plan? Do we have an SOP? Do we have um, clarity? And are we watching for these? You know, the, the thing is, is your, your techs and your support staff get stuck in the rooms in these uncomfortable moments with no one, right? You're just, it's just two people in a room. Um, he said, she said, you know, is this a time that we need to make sure we have three people in the room at a time? Is it things that we need to be more aware of? Like, I don't know how exactly the answer is in your clinic because it's going to be different for everyone and everyone's beliefs. Um, but if you have one or two team members who feel very strongly one way or another than the majority of your team, uh, you have a little bit of a brewing issue in your clinic more than likely. And making sure everybody feels heard and understood is going to make sure that you're able to relay, in my opinion, the clinic message and the client message reliably without ending up with this, you know, anger and resentment around what's quote unquote required. Yep. Preparation right now, viewfinder, start getting ahead of this as, as there's like a thousand other things that you need to do as well. Yeah, Becky, the other thing I think too, what you just said there also sparked, uh, reminded me of a conversation I had, uh, well, I guess midway through the pandemic. And so we have a friend whose wife has been, uh, what, what do you call them? Airline attendant, you know, yeah, uh, Stewardess, yeah, um, for many years, like over 20 years. And so she was already eligible for retirement, but she loved her job. You know, I mean, she, the kids are gone. I mean, you know, so she wasn't going to leave. Well, anyway, as you've heard about air rage and, you know, all the nastiness that, that these people, these poor people in the, yeah. in the flight industry are having to deal with. Um, so she, she, res she resigned, she retired, I guess, retired, you know, left her job. And are we going to see more of that, Becky, on the other side of the pandemic, when it doesn't suddenly like a, the clouds don't lift and people continue to argue and, and be jerks to us, you know, are we going to continue to see this great resignation from our profession? I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I think we already are, right? I think we're already yeah. seeing people prioritizing mental health and we know we are at critical mass. I think more and more this conversation has been heightening over the years. I think about the conferences over the last, say, three to five years where we're like, something's got to change. Something's got to change. Yeah. The conversation is now a matter of like, we do not have enough people. We are not able to keep people. We are getting at a point where it is critical mass and I think it will continue to be so where – um, people are just walking. It's not a matter they've, – they've given up, right? They're not right. trying to change it anymore. They're just done with it. And so I think that will absolutely be the case. And I'm only going to go to work and have my life threatened so many times before I find an alternate path or an alternate career or somewhere I'm going to feel more supported. And we're I, I can't even tell you how many times a day, let alone a week, I see – 
my life was threatened today. I was called this today. It's not even 9 a.m. and I've already had this, this, and this. I mean, we're in a really volatile state. And I think that's part of the whole reason that we're having this conversation is we're seeing the volatility rise. We're seeing it around this one particular topic. And it's something that we want red flags going up in every clinic and having conversations about getting in front of because we are trying to preserve the people who are going to be on the front line facing it. Yeah. And again, just back to our friend who, whose wife was uh, airline attendant for all those years. I mean, that was a high paying position, Becky. I mean, let's be clear. There's almost no comparison to what our listeners are going through because they're being paid pennies on the dollar right. for somebody like that. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing she probably was close to, if not into six figures, right? Sure. So, so most of our audience, not there. Right. And yet she was saying, you know what? I just can't deal with it. You remember there was like a, some bad fight where like a stewardess like got her teeth knocked out or something. You remember there was something really bad that happened, a fight sure. on a plane? And that was really what finally did it for her. You know, she was like, I'm just, what's the point, right? Yeah. You know, I used to love my job. And and you, I was sitting there going, wow, you know, that's a lot just to, to give it up because, you know, but, but regardless, viewfinders, we totally feel you, right? I mean, we know, and what we're trying to say is, really to the your bosses and managers that we anticipate another wave of sort of stressors that are going to be coming our way. So let's get ahead of it. Let's start to prepare now. Let's figure out how we're going to deal with this. I think that what happens, Becky, is that management and owners, they're already overwhelmed and they're like, you know, I, I do not have time to 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 write down how you should respond if a client starts to argue about vaccines in the room. And I'm going to say that's exactly what you should be doing. I mean, this goes back to my first book, you know, back in, in 96, 97, when we were scripting out all that stuff for our staff. It's just, it's not that hard. You can bring your staff in, bring in a few key members, whatever, and say, hey, what happens if a client pitches a fit in the exam room over vaccines? They start to say that we're part of a government conspiracy. Like, how do you think we should handle that? If you just workshop it within your group, you're going to come up with some pretty simple strategies that might just get you out of, of a bad situation. Yeah. And if you don't have time, that's totally understandable. Hire a consultant. Send, <laughs> right. send your staff for conflict management. If you don't have time, you that do, that's not an excuse to not provide the resources. And again, I, I don't, Becky, I would even say this is more specific than conflict resolution or management, right? These are like, like what I like to do is focus on the key trigger fact situation. So in this one, confine it just to a person who comes in and says, I'm not doing no government mandate, right? You know, you can't make me vaccinate my dog. And they're right. So how do you then switch that conversation so that everybody is a winner, right? And even if they walk out of your clinic without their vaccines, you can't take that personally. I mean, I think that was the first lesson I learned a long time ago was to realize that it is not my job to debate these individual clients and to win that debate. My job is to say, this is what your dog needs, you know, and if there's a legal mandate or whatever, fine, but they're free to walk out of there. And it just, it just stopped bothering me at some point. That sounds exactly like conflict management, actually, <laughs> and building resiliency. And that's the point, right? So if you yeah, don't have, yeah. because the thing is, is you can have a script all you want to, but they are still going to have to deal with the emotional repercussions and just the jarring nature of being verbally attacked or emotionally attacked or dealing with other people's emotions. And so, you know, it is important to have a script. It is important to have a way to deal with this. But I think it's also really important to be supporting your teams and making sure that you are like, because again, you might have people on your team who, who disagree with the mandate. And and yeah. so we, we are talking from a, a mental, I guess, point of view, because 
we can't help it of agreeing with it, right? Because personally, I feel like we do. Yeah, right. But if you if you don't, or you have team members who don't, they still deserve your support. And so it's going to be very difficult for them to go in there and have a conversation that they don't believe in, right? So as much as if you ask me to go into a room and tell people that their dog doesn't need preventative care, we're asking these individuals to say your dog does need this thing and you are required to have it, even though we also understand the frustration of being required to do something we don't want to. Everyone's going to need your support in this time to find some kind of common ground. And that's what we want you to be doing so that your team remains resilient and um, not resentful through this time. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot in there. So rewind the tape and, and listen to it again. I love that. Becky, you made so many solid points there. I guess the final thing before we leave you guys on this topic today is really, you're right, Becky, what what happened, what's changed predominantly other than the pandemic is that when we did this, a similar type of episode a couple of years ago, we we were talking about people, you know, like, you know, arguing a little bit, but today they argue a lot. Today they make threats. So they yeah. they go online and say I'm going to take you down. So, Becky, I mean, two things. What do you think prompted this acceleration, this expansion of hatred and and you know, just just how people, you know, the ferocity of which they want to attack us. What do you think triggered that? And the second thing is how do you think this should should change our response to it? Because now it's no longer just them lobbying, you know, an insult at you. They're going to lob, you know, a thousand nasty things online. Yeah, it's it. That's a that's a big that's a lot there, right? That's a big question because the why or the how or the what, you know, that's for somebody in psychology and sociology to pick apart because I have no idea. I think that in general, the lack of social input, right, on top of the um, inflammatory buffet of information we've been fed over the last, you know, 24 months or so has just really heightened everything for everyone, right? Like we're dealing with less social interaction, so we're becoming less socially apt. And then on top yeah. of it, we're being fed just a lot of things that are, are infuriating one way or another. Very few people have middle ground here, right? Like a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, it's not about being Republican or Democrat. It's about just doing the right thing. That's not how people feel about COVID and the vaccine and things like that. People are really falling on like one point. side or the other. There's very yeah. little middle ground. And so I think there's just a lot of heightened um, emotion everywhere. People are tired. They're just tired. They've been given a lot to deal with emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And then, you know, coming at us from the veterinary world, I just think we are – people are becoming more emotionally attached to their pets. Uh, we talk about that in terms of – jammies and sweaters and things like that that are cute, but we don't necessarily talk about it in terms of the emotional drive um, and connection that's going to result from that, you know, that, you know, much like a parent, they're going to be inflamed when it comes to anything that comes to do with this, 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 this living being that they feel so emotionally dedicated to. So I just feel like emotions are really high right now at a time when I think we feel like we have the least amount of autonomy and control. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and viewfinders, again, you know, this is one of those episodes that pains us because we don't have a lot of specific answers and solutions other than start preparing now. And again, your solution can vary because it's yeah. going to be unique to your needs, your environment, your your staff, you know, your community, yada, yada. Um, but you need to prepare now because I, I just... 
you know, what really prompted this discussion today, uh, I think for us viewfinders, was the fact that so many of us are now just like dashing for the exits. We're like so ready to be done with this pandemic. It's like, go, 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 go. We're almost done. And I think that we're forgetting that it's actually not going to be done and like everything's just going to poof and it'll be over and nobody's talking about this stuff. I think there are long-term lasting effects of this. And I think one of those sort of, you know, ancillary, you know, injuries that we're going to see is going to be, uh-oh, vaccines. And I think that moving forward, like Becky said, even that word in 2022 and beyond may be just enough to set off an otherwise, you know, really nice person in your in your clinic. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we can get in front of it. I think we can keep our teams um, on board. But I also think we have to be prepared to adjust how we interact with and, and deal with our clients. You know, uh, years ago, way in the beginning, how long, we've been doing this podcast 20 years now, right? <laughs> way, in the, way in the beginning, we talked about how to fire your clients, you know, and how yeah. to do that, like with Grayson. I think that episode is obsolete today. It needs to be redone because it isn't gentle. It isn't a little letter to home. Um, it is yeah. zero tolerance. You do not threaten my staff. You are not welcome here. Let me print off your records and you have you literally are not allowed on these grounds anymore. I think we have really hit a, a place where we have to come at zero tolerance because the abuse is increasing. Um, I think we have to learn to be resilient against online reviews. I think we have to be diligent in understanding what we can do to respond to and get rid of those reviews because there are legalities around that. Um, and so instead of just saying, oh, it's on there and there's nothing I can do about it, find out how you can stand up for yourself. But I think we're really going to have to change our tolerance policies um, to protect our staff because we are seeing such a heightened and different change in tone of how people are dealing with us. Well, all right. So viewfinders, are you guys seeing the same thing that we are seeing and hearing out there in the real world? Are people now coming in more and more concerned and arguing about pet vaccines as a result of the controversy surrounding the COVID vaccine? We'd really like to know how you're protecting your staff and what are you doing to fortify your resilience when it comes to all of this nastiness that we see online? That's right. And we don't really care how you feel about the vaccine. So don't feel <laughs> like right. you need That's to get right. on there and tell us your thoughts personally. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and on Twitter at The Vet Viewfinder. Yeah. And guys, once again, I want to thank uh, Becky. She just got in late last night after travel delays. And Ooh. so she is really, you know, burning the midnight oil, as Good they say. You. And so thank you so much for, for making it today. I know you're tired and, and exhausted. And I think you get right back on the road tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back on the road tomorrow because... There are a gajillion veterinary technician associations having their fall conferences. I wish I could get to you all because you guys are getting ready to celebrate Vet Tech Week. So um, if I don't get to see you and tell you personally, I hope you guys have an amazing Vet Tech Week coming up. That's right. Guys, let us know how you're doing. We really hope that you're staying safe. And don't forget, next week is National Veterinary Technician Week. So give your certified credentialed veterinary technicians some extra love and maybe go back and listen to that episode last week if you haven't already checked it out. <laughs> and when you get a chance, uh, make sure you go wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Give us five stars and a few kind words. It helps get the word out to your colleagues to get to hear great episodes like this. That's right, guys. Thanks. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hi, right, you are getting snippy. My allergies. <laughs>